Hi, I'm Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. And we had a chance to sit down with Benny Johnson, columnist and host of The Benny Show. He's currently serving as the chief creative officer at Turning Point USA. I asked Johnson about the House January 6th committee referring criminal charges against former President Donald Trump. What his thoughts are on this and where could things go from here? So a couple things. One, with I'm a big social media guy, so I follow what's going on on Twitter very closely. And you can sit there and look at exactly what they did with Trump. What they were doing is burying the evidence. Because the first tweets on the top of his account when they reinstate his account is he's saying, everyone go home peacefully. Nobody fight cops. Nobody do anything against the Capitol Police. These are his last tweets before they nuke his account, right, and silence him forever. They want you to forget that that's what the president said. I was personally there at the speech. Front row, January 6th. I was standing, sitting there, and Donald Trump gives the big speech. And you're list- I'm listening to him in real life, as close as I am to you, sitting there, um, say, go peacefully to the Capitol, march peacefully to the Capitol. So what we always knew this was where it was going to head. What? How are they possibly going to get a criminal indictment here for free speech? I mean, what he's doing is he's practicing free speech, and he's doing it very responsibly. On the other hand, I can give you, if this becomes the new normal, then I can give you a ton of libs that need to be prosecuted immediately for their rhetoric against conservatives. I mean, we can we can start with Maxine Waters. We can go all the way down the list for incitement against conservatives that leads to actual real violence. The only person killed on January 6th was a Trump supporter. So um, I, I think that it's going to be a massive overreach. Liz Cheney's uh, seemingly losing a lot of the support. That's the reports that I've been hearing, that she's making it way too Trump-centric and that they're viewing it as like a campaign tactic for her. But nonetheless, what, like, what are you, the man's innocent. What are you going to, the man's innocent. Like, what are you, you going to charge him with? What do you think the Department of Justice is ultimately going to do? And if they do decide to prosecute, uh, will it serve to really further divide the country? Yes. I mean, yes. How, I mean, this is, of course, totally and completely unprecedented. But that it, it just speaks to the existential threat that Trump is to the establishment, and that's why they're going at him, and they're taking out, they're, they're using every tool that they have in their tool chest. They're making up tools, right? So we learned that in Trump's banning. They just manufactured new tools to hurt Donald Trump. Donald Trump mentally broke these people in 2016, and so what happened was in 2016, they went about, the, the modern-day left went about breaking or, 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 or fully turning inoperable every institution that led to Trump's ascension. Did they allow Trump's ascension? Did they artificially promote Trump's ascension? No, they just allowed for it. Social media is one, corporate media is another. They covered the Hillary Clinton scandal. That was enough, right? They, so the, and so they're doing that with our election systems, and they're doing that with the Department of Justice. What I, and I keep coming back to this, but what I find particularly fascinating about Donald Trump's banning on social media was that his own Justice Department, these people work for the executive, his own Justice Department was calling for his banning. They, the people that work for Trump were the ones censoring him. We haven't digested that. We haven't, like, that hasn't sunk into the zeitgeist yet as, as conservatives to understand how deep this sewer hole goes. And so Trump's own administration was working to ban him. That's a reality. That's the facts. We have the hard evidence. And so that's what you're up against. You have to fight. You have to fight on that level. To your point, you're referring to the Twitter files. I want to get your thoughts on those as well as like to, to your point, where do you go? Who do you go to from here? Right. So it's a lot of work. 
you know, do you think you get rid of this rot overnight? If this was if this was in in your own home and you went down to, and you have someone come into your own home and go down to the very basement of your house and that rot is all the way through the that's right. You have to rip up the foundation, baby. You got to rip up the foundation. And it's it was really interesting if you read our founding documents because our founding documents give you the roadmap for it. I'm not calling for the overthrow of the United States government, but our founding documents say when a government ceases to represent its own people and only represent the uh, ideology of the, an oligarchy that wishes to oppress the people, well, then it has to be done away with. Again, I'm not calling for the overthrow of the government, but why I am calling for the uh, doing away with of institutions that have been so shot through with rot uh, that, that you, you need to start over. And you need, for this, for this republic to function, you have to have some things that we agree on. Polling shows there's nothing we agree on anymore. No, no one trusts the FBI, no one trusts the DOJ, the left doesn't trust cops. There's no institutions we agree on anymore. There's nothing. Betty White's gone. That was the last thing. Be Sadly, Betty White died this year. That was the last thing we all agreed on. And so there has to be something, there has to be a truth that at the very least becomes the basis for us to function. And I believe that in an honest remaking of some of our federal, some of the federal organizations, or maybe just doing away with them, uh, would be a good start. With Christmas and the new year upon us, there is much to celebrate and look forward to. However, there are various challenges facing the nation, one of which is the rising rate of suicide among our nation's veterans and first responders. Ken Falk has dedicated his life to reversing this trend and is founder of the Boulder Crest Foundation. And we're happy to have him on with us to discuss. Ken Falk, thank you so much for joining us on the Capitol Report. Thank you, thanks for having me and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Ken. Um, on that note, Ken, the holidays are a time of joy for most. They can also be quite difficult um, for many who suffer from depression and anxiety. Um, now we're at a time where we're seeing record numbers of suicide among first responders, border patrol agents, veterans, other groups as well. Uh, help us understand just how serious and widespread of an issue this truly is. Well, you know, thanks for setting that up. I, you know. <clears throat> It's a huge issue. I mean, we, we, in the last two and a half years of COVID, uh, at least on the suicide numbers that are trackable, we've gone from about 125 Americans a day taking their own lives to about 131. Somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 or more of those every day are veterans. And in the line of duty, uh, injuries are in no comparison to what the suicide epidemic is between Border Patrol, police, and fire. Uh, more, more fire and police officers will die in the, and, and by suicide than in the line of duty on an annual basis. And the holidays are challenging for a lot. You know, there's some stats that say the holidays are the highest suicide seasons and there are others saying that it's springtime. The truth is, and I think what everybody really needs to understand is that we'll never know all the details of suicide numbers. These numbers are horrific and they're probably the only ones that we can count. But in a lot of cases, suicides don't get counted. Things where family members might be ashamed to put that on a death certificate, or the coroner feels there's an insurance claim uh, issue if they if they identify it as a suicide. Some of the accidental overdoses, we don't know if they're accidental or real, and all that goes back to how the family and friends tend to characterize them. And I had a friend who uh, got in his Jeep one night and after drinking two bottles of Jack Daniels, and drove off a cliff, you know, was, and it was reported as a traffic accident. And there's no doubt in our minds, 
you know, with all his combat experience and everything he'd been through, that that was a suicide. But it was reported as a traffic accident. So these numbers are horrific. It's an epidemic. It's one of the only causes of death uh, other than COVID growing, you know, in, in our country. And, um, and, and that's why we have to do something about it. Ken, now the issue of uh, post-traumatic stress, otherwise known as PTSD, it's not just a psychological condition. It can also inhibit a person physiologically. Um, you've been attacking this uh, condition with much success. It appears in your own way. If you could tell us, what is your approach? Yeah, so we, um, I run a retreat uh, center or two, one in Virginia, one in Arizona, and, and the work that we do is scaled out to about eight other nonprofits. But we run a nonprofit that focuses on helping first responders and, and military, active duty military and veterans get through the struggles that they're, they're having. And, uh, and the programs we run are based on the science of something called post-traumatic growth, research that's, you know, I mean, as old as, as the Bible, I mean, every religion in the world is based on this idea that struggle produces strength. But the scientific research uh, started back in the uh, late 80s at the University of North Carolina and was finally published in 1995. But the story, you know, the story goes, and, and I think what I, what I, it always resonates with me is, is these 591 men, prisoners of war who came home from Vietnam, who had spent, many of them, up to six to eight years in these prison camps, where the psychological community had told the families of these men to be prepared to institutionalize them. And the complete opposite occurred. They went on to be probably some of the most remarkable men that ever walked this earth. And, and that's what we believe about veterans and first responders. And these are really great people that are great citizens, and they just need a little bit extra help. And that's really what we're trying to do at Boulder Crest. And, and I, I do think we're onto something. I, when you look at traditional mental health care, take even the stigma away from it, it, it just overall doesn't work. You know, most people that go through the treatments uh, don't get better. They just get a little less bad. And what post-traumatic growth suggests is that you can thrive in the aftermath of trauma. And that's what we're trying to teach people because we believe, you know, that everybody deserves an opportunity to thrive. Um, and, and we just, we focus primarily on first responders and military men and women that have raised their hand, uh, you know, to do what most of us don't do. And, and to that point, I mean, to the credit of your great work that you're doing, people are finding hope and help. But uh, you also can't handle every inquiry. How can people find help, and what should they do? More importantly, when, or more more importantly, um, when should they seek this type of help? Yeah, well, that's a great question, and I think you know one of the things about our program is that we're not an acute care center, meaning that if you're suicidal right now, this isn't the place to come. Uh, call 988. Uh, they've put a new website together and a new phone. If you're a veteran, you press one after you after you dial. And, uh, and it goes right to somebody that can help you immediately uh, or seek help, you know, get, get, go to your family. But I, I got to tell you that 99% of people that are, that are struggling can, 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 can wash these issues out with good friends and family members. And if you can't, then go seek professional mental health care. But if you're suicidal immediately, make a phone call. If you've got time, if you're just going through some struggles and you know that You've got to do something to get better, which most, most of us do. We need a little bit of outside help. You can't do this on your own. We call it white knuckling, you know, this whole idea that you're holding onto the steering wheel so hard. You just can't go through life that way. So those are, there's a lot of programs out there. What we do here at Boulder Crest and many other programs around the country that will help 
uh, if you have the time to wait. But like I said, if you're suicidal immediately or you're really suffering and can't can't get one foot in front of the other, you know, go to the hospital or call 988 and they'll get to the right resources. Ken Folk, once again, Merry Christmas to you and thank you for joining us. Merry Christmas, thank you for, for highlighting this. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon.